Welcome to the M. Kane Coaching Podcast. My name is Marcus Kane, and today we have JBN Rosario, aka J from Science by J, to talk about how we can begin to easily identify false or misleading information in the diet and wellness space. Now, Jay is a science communicator with a background in psychology and philosophy. He studied public health at the graduate level with an emphasis on food insecurity, but currently he studies graduate level philosophy with a focus on ethics. And Jay's overall mission is to bridge the gap between health, philosophy, and psychology. So thanks again for joining us for this one. Let's meet Jay. I'm wondering if you'd like to start by telling the people listening who you are, a little bit about your professional background and what led you to do what you're doing and, and why you're here in this space doing what you do. So, I mean, it all starts with your own personal journey, right? So yeah. my personal journey was uh, losing a shit ton of weight, doing a ketogenic, low-carb style diet. Now, through that journey, I realized uh, a lot about myself. First, that I could set out a goal and accomplish it, but also that that wasn't the best method for losing weight for me. And it led to a lot of um, disordered eating patterns and it led to a lot of um, misunderstandings about health and nutrition. Mm -hmm. So I was like, there has to be a better way of doing this. Like, there has to be a better way of living and being healthy and wanting the best for myself rather than cutting out carbs, which I fucking love. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So that kind of led me to get into more of the evidence-based nutrition space because I was like, there has to be something deeper than just, well, just cut out carbs or cut out this or cut out that. Um, I I thought, you know, maybe there needs to be more tempered approach to nutrition. So I started following people who uh, I didn't even know what a registered dietitian was until Instagram. And I started following those people. I started following um, a shit ton of coaches and then the the breakthrough happened when I uh, started following Lane Norton. Yeah, um, that's when I realized I'm like, yeah, light bulb hit. That's that's what I what I was after. Evidence based nutrition. Yeah, that's what I was trying to get at. One hundred percent. So, in the years that I've been following you, you've always delivered a really measured, intelligent message that's super super easy to understand. So, in a way, it sounds like now you're filling one of the spaces that. Uh, you kind of wished was being filled when you were looking for information however many years ago. Right. The 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 big thing for me when I first started, especially my Instagram, was uh, I used to call myself Mr. Cogfit. I'm not sure if you were around during that time when I, I labeled myself as that. And the basis of my page was to uh, marry the idea of physical and mental fitness because yeah. I realized that when my mental my mental fitness i guess like my mental health suffered my physical fitness tanked and vice versa so i really wanted to explore the relationship of those two initially that's what i really wanted to get at um so i was looking at it from a different perspective you know people come into social media they want to you know lose weight gain muscle do whatever with their bodies i was more so concerned with the relationship between my body and my mind Coming from that perspective, I think helped me with shaping and crafting my message and realizing that, you know, yeah, the physical fitness, a, a lot of times uh, a big part of it was nutrition, but also, you know, it was exercise, it was mental clarity, meditation, you know, those different types of topics, going to therapy, you know, that type yeah. of deal. Mm. I think the most important thing is that when it comes to nutrition, you know, obviously, like exercise is important, you know, I'll never shit on 
the exercise science guys. I, I love them to death. Yeah. But with nutrition, it's unique because it, it's always present. It's always there. Food is a part of our daily lives, of our culture, of our perception of, um, you know, when we're, we're social, we often gather around food, you know, so it's, it's a different sort of approach because nutrition is, I would say, omnipresent in, in yeah. the lives of humans. So it's like our relationship with food is often the basis for our other health behaviors. If your relationship of, with food is disordered or not the best, that's going to carry over to probably your other health behaviors or your other activities that you're engaging with. From a sports nutrition perspective, if nutrition is pretty important for performance, why wouldn't we expect it to be important for the general person going to the gym? You know, um, there's a famous phrase, but, you know, I, I think it's ultimately a little bit uh, too simplistic, but you can't, someone always says you can't out-train a poor diet. Yeah. Um, I think there's truth to that to an extent, you know, like I think a poor diet is relative in many respects, but some ways not, but, you know, obviously you can't out-train uh, poor nutritional habits. Mm. You can't do it because it's, it's not ultimately going to work out you're not going to fuel your performance as well most of the time <laughs> absolutely and you know that leads me into the the subject matter that i really would love some of your perspectives on because every week i have consultations with people who come to me you know convinced of things like the idea that processed sugar is more addictive or more toxic than class a drugs or even that certain vegetables should be feared like how are we in this position? Like, how is the process of finding balanced, reliable information surrounding healthy diet? Like, how has that become such a minefield? So, I mean, everyone wants a simple solution for a complex problem. Hmm. You know, um, when it comes to nutrition, people care more about the minutia. They want the magic bullet rather than caring about the overall dietary pattern. Yeah. Right. So we talk about the overall dietary pattern. We're talking about obviously eating more fruits, vegetables, whole grains, you know, lean sources of protein and the like. But many people don't think in terms of that uh, macro perspective. They want the solution now. They want the quick fix now. So it's easier to blame a certain food ingredient or certain food uh, than it is to look at the whole overarching perspective. Um, and that's mostly in my experience. Mm. Now, the, the, another issue that I find, especially with fad diets, is that fad diets have historically always been there. You look at things like the swamp diet, <laughs> the, white, the white rice diet. The swamp the diet? 1950s. Yeah, there was a swamp diet. I, I, I don't know. Like, there was like, you could just Google these. There's like a whole bunch of different fad diets from the 1800s and the 1900s. So, I mean, like, like fad diets have always been there. But I think... The reason why the public is so confused about nutrition is in part because of social media. Mm. Um, you have a lot of people who have seen high credentials, who use fancy words, fancy terms, who have messages and narratives that are very intuitive to understand. Uh, and people would just buy into that. It's easier to it's easy to buy into, well, our ancestors never ate kale, so you shouldn't eat kale. Like, it's yeah. an easy message to understand and, and digest. Rather than saying, you know, yeah, maybe it's your overall dietary pattern that's kind of poor and maybe you should look at these different factors and change this around and do it. That's hard work. That's yeah. hard work. It's yeah. hard work compared to like just getting rid of a vegetable or, or saying that sugar is bad for you, you know? Yeah. So it's these 
the pursuit of the really oversimplified answers and looking for one thing to blame, we look for one thing to exclude to all of a sudden make everything else okay. When really it, it's more of a case of paying a reasonable amount of attention to many different things rather than kind of hyper-focusing on one element of nutrition. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like it's, it's, it's often easier to focus, like I said, on the micro because nutrition is complicated. Uh, that's something that people don't really appreciate much. Like nutrition and health sciences are complicated. So, you know, we try to simplify as much as possible, but, you know, we can only simplify so much. So some people just take it a step further and oversimplify to the point where it's like, well, you need to cut out like things like sugar when it's like, no, it's it's not the sugar in of itself that's making you, you know, have X, Y, and Z outcomes. It's your overall lifestyle. Mm. And there's many different factors that can play into your overall lifestyle. Um, and it's kind of, uh, it's very difficult to uh, sort of express that in a nuanced way for people to understand it and comprehend. Um, because I feel like, especially like Americans, we have so many different things that we're worried about, you know, uh, politics, now with inflation, family life whatever we just want a simple solution for when it comes to our food we don't want to think too much when it comes to our food i've noticed for for many people that i know mm -hmm. so it's easier to fall into that cognitive trap of just the oversimplified narrative of just eliminate this or be aware of this or do this diet you know compared to thinking broadly about nutrition yeah and it sounds like there are plenty of resources out there, whether they be books or online articles or any kind of resources that will readily play into that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. There was this one, I think, analysis of different nutrition books. And it like pretty much the analysis found that most of the popular nutrition books that was uh, categorized were written by, you know, medical doctors or people that were outside of the profession of nutrition. Yeah. So it's like, no wonder there's so much confusion, you know, <laughs> I, I love medical doctors, but they don't have the in-depth training in nutritional science. You know, if you're a cardiologist, you train to do cardiology, you don't train a, a prescribed diets. So, but we have this misconception that um, since a person is highly credentialed, especially in the health sciences, they must know everything about health when it's definitely not the case. Mm. So that, that's something that it's really easy to kind of mix up, that just because someone is a doctor doesn't mean that they actually know more about nutrition than, say, a registered dietitian would. Right, because their training is not focused on nutrition. Mm. You know, it's we, we in, in the sciences, we have our own specializations for a reason. This is not to say that people can't understand other specializations like my background originally was not nutrition, but I understand it pretty well. But the way I did that was not by saying, well, the entire establishment is incorrect and I know best because, you know, I'm this all-knowing person. But I actually appealed to those who had expertise in the field, who actually trained in the field, who actually deal with clients on a daily basis when it comes to nutrition and who actually write the peer-reviewed articles on it and review them. So it's like, I'm not going to try to appeal to the sense of authority that's unwarranted. I'm going to try to appeal to the sense of authority for people that are actually in the space doing the work. Mm. And so what's the incentive for 
say, a medical doctor who might not know or might not understand quite as much about nutrition as they, they think they do, what is the incentive for someone in that position to release a book or to start releasing content or information that is fundamentally misguided? In my personal opinion, I think it's mainly financial. It's so easy for a medical doctor to claim authority in the health space and just start spouting off whatever when it comes to nutrition. Mm. Um, And especially if you know how to package it in a way that's overly simplistic, but sounds smart. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> and I know it sounds contradictory, but there's people out there who will sell you on an all meat diet. They'll use this fancy terminology, fancy terms, cherry pick citations, cherry pick studies, but it's an oversimplistic narrative of our ancestors somehow. And they'll package that to you. And a lot of times it's easier to do that than it is to be their own specialty. You know, mm-hmm. it's easier to be a quack doctor that sells a book and supplements than it is to be a actual board certified psychiatrist, for instance. Mm. You know exactly who I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I know exactly who you're talking about. So that said, like we expect to be able to pick a book up off the shelf and be told the truth. So how is it that we're seeing so many books on diets and nutrition that all claim to be science-based yet present such a wide variety of conflicting guidance. How is it possible that so many contradictory opinions and, quote, facts can be referencing studies? It's because they're cherry-picking studies. Mm. Um, it, it depends on the narrative of the book. If the book is it has an argument for, let's say, the carnivore diet or veganism or, you know, the paleo diet, you know, they automatically have a bias, a, a vested interest to sell you on their argument, their approach. So the best way to do that is to cherry pick and really <laughs> uncontextualize research to the point where it say it says what you want it to say rather than what it actually is. It's so easy to do this. You know, for instance, the whole uh, anti-seed oil argument, I could cherry pick a crap load of rat studies right now that you know suggests potential harm it doesn't mean that it's actually harmful you know when you look at the human outcome data mm. but you know obviously when it comes to these overall like books or you know narratives it's very easy to cherry pick certain narratives uh cherry pick certain studies mixing your own narrative and sell that to someone and packages to someone that's way they, they present their own version of the facts but it's not really uh, contextualized. It's not really the full scope of information that we have available on the topic. And that seed oil argument is is a really big one, right? Like, and I was really, really stoked to see the information that you put out there about that because that argument of, you know, seed oils result in these particular things happening in the body or they turn into this when you heat them past a certain point or whatever, like, a lot of those arguments, a lot of the, the publications are around that sound really scary and quite convincing. You know, they've got, got a lot of people leaving things like olive oil or whatever on the shelf in favor of, of cooking with, you know, more animal fats or more saturated fats. And that has some potentially negative out, like health outcomes right there. Right. So, I mean, 
when it comes to the seed oil argument, it's a lot of uh I could I could curse on here, right? Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> man. You go for it. There's a lot of uh mechanistic fuckery or or me mechanistic, you know, some people say mechanistic masturbation, but I like to say mechanistic fuckery. Yeah. Where if you look at isolated biochemical reactions, you know, and you look at isolated mechanistic studies, you can propose potential harm from you know uh polyunsaturated fat well particularly omega-6 which is often in seed oils but but the the missing context is like we said does the potential harm actually play out in real life and a lot of times no it doesn't right but the lay public is so uh i don't want to attack the lay public but they're so uninformed when it comes to science and how to think about science and how to think about nutritional science that they will fall into these traps. Mm -hmm. If someone sounds smart, if someone sounds like they know what they're talking about, if someone cites the studies, then people are going to believe them mm -hmm. uh, because they don't know any better. And like we said before, people want an easy, quick fix. You know, in the early, like in the 2010s, it was sugar. You know, in the early 2000s, it was carbs in general. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, there always needs to be a boogeyman. There always needs to be a bad guy to blame everything on. Mm. So seed oils just fits the bill. You know, it fits the bill for right now. Because if you notice, a lot of the, I guess, low carb, the low carb crowd, the low carb community where you have like paleo diet, like now carnivore, uh, keto, whatever. Before they used to demonize sugar. Now when they couldn't win on that argument based on the overwhelming data that, that didn't support what they were saying about, you know, sugar, insulin, whatever, they moved on to seed oils. But if you look at both of those arguments, right? Like remember like the whole idea that insulin causes obesity and it causes a whole bunch of other issues. It's very similar to the argument about seed oils doing the same thing. Yeah. It's very, very similar. The logic is very, very similar. So it's just the way that's packaged right now. But I feel like there always needs to be a boogeyman because if there's a problem that you make up, there's a solution that you're, you're going to sell. That's it right there. Like that statement in itself, like if there's a problem that you can manufacture or make up, then there's a solution that you can sell. Yes. Yeah. So what are the best ways when we talk about people who don't have a background in science and who don't want to switch out their nighttime reading with, you know, looking over like studies and, and scientific papers and all these kind of things, because, you know, reading, reading a study or interpreting a study is kind of like a, a skill in itself. Right. So what are the best ways without going that far, you know, for the for everyday people that we can make sure that the information that we're taking in and basing our decisions on is actually reliable. So, I mean, knowledge often like, how we know things ultimately comes down to who we trust and mm. who we get our sources of information from. Um, you know, obviously being skilled at research is like you said, a skill and it takes time and it takes practice. But if you really want to get into the science of nutrition, it's a must. But if you're just a general person who just wants to wait out what's bullshit versus what's not bullshit, you know, there's a couple of useful heuristics for that. You know, obviously, when it comes to uh, nutrition or health sciences, credentials can somewhat help with that. Like if someone's a medical doctor 
who has a different specialty and they're talking about nutrition and diet, I would be very cautious about that because that's not their field of specialty. Yeah. That's not, that's not what they're, that's not what they're training. Yeah. So that, that's something to be cautious about compared to someone who's a registered dietitian or has a PhD in nutrition, more likely they're going to know what they're talking about when it comes to nutritional science than someone else. Mm. So that's a useful heuristic right there, you know, kind of looking at credentials and then looking at language. Are they, are people using all or nothing uh, or extreme, extremely emotive language? You know, like, for instance, when it comes to the anti-CEDOR argument, you know, there's a whole bunch of <laughs> fear mongering, inflammatory statements being made. Is that is that necessarily uh, a, like is that helping you make a good decision about your health or is it fearing like making you fearful of something so you could buy into something? Right. You know, that's yeah. that's that's another heuristic to look out for. And then finally, I would say that like with any research, look at look at the the context, you know, look at the overall big picture. Think about it in terms of, is the person portraying the limits and strengths of what they're talking about? Because it's always, it's always good to play up the strengths of a study, but are are you actually like discussing the limits of a study? Are you discussing Mm. both of those? And are you talking about a context of other research? That's another one of my heuristics that I go to for a lot of what I see online. Mm Mm-hmm. So that one, again, actually acknowledging the limitations of the research methods that you're leaning on to prove a particular point. If someone is doing that and acknowledging the limitations of the evidence that they're using for a particular argument, that could be or that usually is a sign that that person is a more reliable source than someone who's, say, using a lot of fear mongering and extreme language. Yes. Yes. Mm, Fantastic. And are there any other tips or areas that you feel are important in terms of, you know, people getting reliable information, avoiding disordered eating, anything at all that you would add to what we've said for the people listening? So when it comes to, I guess, understanding the overall context and nuance of like the health sciences, it, it really pays to pay attention to big organizations and what they have to sit there and say about the matter like you know there's the american dietetics association there's you know like there's different organizations that like are known within the space that have resources to help people you know and they're big organizations for a reason and and, you know if they're professional organizations the better you know we ultimately want to rely upon the consensus of information from, you know, obviously multiple different experts. Uh, But we also have to look at where there is disagreement. Know that even if there is disagreement within, let's say, the studies or between the experts, that we shouldn't just assume we, we know the answer or someone else knows the answer. It's good to be uncertain about certain things. And it's good to be open to changing your mind when presented with new evidence. And I, th- I think that's really helpful for most people. You know, don't see it as black or white. Science is never black and white, but it doesn't mean that you believe whatever you want to believe. Yes. <laughs> my, yeah. my goal is like, like what I tell people is believe in proportion to the evidence. If the evidence is strong in favor of one thing or the other, then you should have a strong belief in that one thing or the other. And if it's weak, you know, you're going to follow suit. So 
that's that's usually my tips brilliant thank you so much for for answering these questions jane helping us to clarify these things like for anyone who wants to find out more from you where can they find you so i'm on uh instagram uh twitter and sometimes tiktok <laughs> my handle is um science by j that's at science by j a e j um i'm also on subsec at science by j um that's where i do a lot of my writing as well but yeah that's i'm usually really active on instagram and twitter trying to be more active on, i guess on tiktok but you know we'll see how that goes yeah <laughs> tiktok is a uh, whole other animal right oh yeah you could do a whole podcast episode about nutrition on tiktok <laughs> i'll make sure that your handles and your links and everything like that are tagged or are in the description so people can access them but thank you so much jay thank you for having me and that's our episode for today. I've included a link to Jay's Instagram page in the episode description so you can go ahead and check out his brilliant work. Remember, if you are struggling with binge eating, overeating, and cycles of stressful dieting that are getting in the way of your ability to live the kind of life that you want, get in touch with me anytime for an obligation-free Q&A session. You can tell me what it is you're experiencing, what you'd like to change, and I'll provide insights and options for you to make that happen. Just follow the links in the episode description to my Instagram or webpage to get in touch. As someone who lived in cycles of binge eating and crash dieting for over 15 years and found my own way out, I'd love to help you break that cycle and get set on the path to what you really want. So thanks again for joining us today. My name's Marcus Kane, and I will be back with another episode soon.